Today from the global lane, internet freedom in decline. Governments worldwide using the COVID-19 pandemic for mass surveillance. China ranks worst of the worst out of the 65 countries we cover. Cash payment program in Compton and Trump's platinum plan. Which approach will win over black voters on election day? Vindication for a Michigan barber who defied his governor and illegal shutdown actions. I challenge those guys, they're cowards. You know, they, they, they won't stand on the side of what's true and right. Hunter Biden, alleged family bag man, a look at who is really in the bag for Joe. And it's all right here on the Global Lane. Coronavirus health risks, mask wearing and shutdowns may be of concern for many Americans, but right now there may be some longer term non-health consequences from COVID-19. Freedom House has just issued a report on how governments worldwide are expanding online surveillance data collection and censorship during the pandemic. The report is titled Freedom of the Net 2020, The Pandemic's Digital Shadow. Here with more is Ali Funk, Senior Research Analyst for Technology and Democracy at Freedom House. Ali, thank you so much for being here. So this report says new technological systems of social control are occurring. So what are governments doing and how? Well, first, thank you so much for having me. Um, like you mentioned, we just launched Freedom on the Net, which is Freedom House's annual report on internet freedom. Um, for the past 10 years, we've ranked um, whether people's human rights are protected online, just as they should be protected offline. And this year, we found the 10th consecutive decline of internet freedom. Um, and this is really pushed by the COVID-19 pandemic. We found that governments worldwide and democracies and more authoritarian countries alike are really using the pandemic as a pretext to control online narratives, censor critical speech, and roll out new systems of technological control um, that can be enabled for mass surveillance. Who are the worst offenders? I imagine more technologically advanced societies are at greater risk. True? Untrue? So this year, um, it's a little unsurprising, but China ranks worst of the worst out of the 65 countries we cover. This is the sixth consecutive year that they have ranked the worst of the worst. Um, closing out that bottom includes Vietnam, Iran, and Saudi Arabia as well. Well, we saw China censor comments made by Vice President Mike Pence during his debate with Kamala Harris. No surprise there, right? So. We've also seen censorship right here in the USA on social media in regard to Hunter Biden's emails about Ukraine and China. How else is free speech under threat right here in America? What did you find here? Well, the United States has been on a steady decline for internet freedom for the past four years. And this past year, this is really because of enhanced surveillance around the protests for racial justice that we've seen nationwide. So federal authorities and also local authorities have just been rolling out surveillance of social media platforms in a way that undermines constitutional rights, such as the First Amendment, um, and actually can lead to a discriminatory impact. Well, what specifically, Allie? What are they doing specifically? So specifically, different police departments and federal agencies, such as the Department of Homeland Security, are crawling through social media posts, um, and they're doing so in a way that it infringes on First Amendment rights. So, for example, we have um, there's evidence in reporting that um, a counterterrorism task force of the FBI actually showed up at people's homes and places of workplace in a small town in Tennessee and questioned them about um, their uh, 
engagement on Facebook in Black Lives Matter protests. So, for example, one organizer was offering rides to and from a rally, um, and an FBI agent showed up at her house, asked her about this totally protected activity, um, and she decided because of, you know, enhanced surveillance and also intimidation online that she actually backed out of the protests. So it's showing that this enhanced surveillance is actually impacting people's willingness to use digital technology to bring about social change that they would like. And of course, this is not just happening with governments. How about corporations? We're seeing it online with Facebook, Twitter, most recently on Hunter Biden. So tech platforms increasingly play um, a really important important battleground in democracy. This is something we're seeing, you know, in the United States, where platforms such as Facebook and Twitter um, are important places for, you know, discussion and community debate. It's also a global issue. So we're calling on platforms to make sure that their content moderation is transparent, um, that it abides by international human rights principles, um, and that, that users also have an avenue of appeal and that there's independent oversight. How about uh, private corporations? So increasingly, private companies, especially those involved in the surveillance market, um, the surveillance market is a very, it's a broad international global market that there's not much regulation around it, and it's sort of a black box. Um, private companies are increasingly selling really these big data surveillance tools to governments, and it's not just, they're selling it to democratic governments and also authoritarian governments. And then these tools, because there's a lack of regulation and privacy protections over them, are being deployed deployed in a very abusive way that's undermining free expression, it's undermining freedom of assembly and association, um, and it's really causing a decline in internet freedom globally. So, Ali, what do we do about it? So we lay out a number of recommendations to governments, private companies, and also civil society groups like Freedom House ourselves. Um, so we are calling for an actual moratorium on the use of biometric surveillance, like facial recognition, um, not only by police in the U.S., but also by in healthcare and housing and education, until we can do more research and know actually how these tools are impacting human rights. Um, we're also calling for censorship and surveillance technology to stop being exported to countries that are ranked partly free and not free by Freedom House, um, so that then these tools aren't being used to censor websites um, and shut down the internet worldwide. And if people want to find out more, can they get a copy of the report? How? Where? Yes. Just go to freedomhouse.org and you will see uh, the pandemic's digital shadow on our homepage at freedomhouse.org. Okay, worth a look. Allie Funk, Senior Research Analyst at Freedom House in Washington, D.C. Thanks for sharing your insights. Thanks so much. Illegal immigrants and former prisoners living in Compton, California, are among hundreds of people eligible to receive a guaranteed income over the next two years. It's part of a new direct cash relief payment program called the Compton Pledge. Patrice Cullors, one of the founders of the Black Lives Matters organization, calls it, quote, an urgent and necessary strategy for addressing economic realities of racial injustice. The program stands in contrast to President Trump's platinum plan, the $500 billion effort to help black-owned businesses and increase educational opportunities for African Americans. Well, here with more is Joe Collins. Mr. Collins is hoping to win election to California's 43rd congressional seat. Joe, tell us how did this come about in Compton and what do you think of that plan? Uh, I'll tell you, I have no idea, but a lot of people in California are sympathetic towards illegal immigrants. Mind you, the same people who break our laws 
um, and get away with it. And so I don't know how this plan came about, but I can tell you uh, a lot of taxpayers are not going to be happy with that. Gavin Newsom already gave $175 million um, in, in relief and free medical free medical aid to illegal immigrants. Um, and so this is just uh, another way that Californians think they can pander in order to, to win votes. Well, the timing is interesting. Now, this announcement came soon after Governor Newsom signed a new law creating a task force to examine the possibility of reparations for slavery. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think they've been talking about reparations for a very long time, and, and it's a, that's just another way to try to get votes. They think they um, are going to pass some type of reparations bill, but, I mean, when you read the, the, the Library of Congress, when you look at the laws that have been in place, it's almost impossible to pass reparations for uh, a, a specific type of people. I know that you have campaigned instead of handouts. You believe in opportunities, and I know you were at the White House when President Trump announced his platinum plan. What do you like about it the most? Um, I, one of the biggest things that I like about the, the, the platinum plan is this is the first time the black community has ever had someone lay out an agenda for how they're going to improve our communities. Um, $500 billion worth of economic development, schools, and, and resources is absolutely what our communities need. Um, we've been ran by Democrats for a very long time, and they have ran our communities into the ground. And so I, I, the most exciting thing about it is just to have a plan that we can look at and say, okay, this is what we uh, have to, to move forward with. That's exciting to me. Joe, anything you don't like about it? Anything missing from the plan? You know what? I, I'm not sure yet. I have to continue to look at it and continue to, to, to dive into it and, and do research and figure out how we can utilize that plan to rebuild our communities. Um, after we start to use the plan, if we see, you know, anything that we can, you know, add to it that will be of some significance, then we would absolutely do it. Anything that has to be removed, then we'll, we'll address that as well. What kind of response is it getting there in Southern California from the black community? What are you hearing from people about it? A lot of people are very interested in the platinum plan. One of the things that we hear the most is, is the president actually going to put it into law? Is he actually going to be able to use it? And my answer is absolutely yes. The biggest issues that we're going to have is uh, we have a lot of Democrats who don't like the president who would never use the platinum plan in order to improve our communities. And so that's what we're going to be faced with in this, in this upcoming election. Now, while the president touts his policies, which led to a record low unemployment rate for black Americans, uh, that was before COVID-19. The rate now stands at about 12.1% for blacks. It's even higher for younger black Americans. How will that affect his chances, do you think, to win black votes on November 3rd? I don't think that is going to affect his chances um, at all when it comes to a black vote, because we see his agenda for the black community. We see what he's been trying to do for the black community. And with him making so much effort towards the black community, it kind of shines a light on what's been going on in our communities for a very long time. And, and, and that is we've been having a lot of bad legislators making us a lot of promises without delivering anything. And so I think he's going to get the black vote. I think that we're going to start removing a lot of legislators that we've been having in office for a very long time, making way for new ideas and new legislators to create some type of opportunity. And a lot of black Americans are, of course, leaving the Democratic Party. We saw a big rally in Washington recently, Blexit, uh, Donald Trump received 8% of the black vote in 2016. That was enough to help put him over the top. So how do you think he's going to do this time? Any predictions? He's going to do very well. I'm, I'm assuming that he's going to get about 47%, 48% of the black vote. Really? You think it's going to be that high? 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, we're excited about what the president is doing. A lot of people are actually listening to him. Mainstream uh, media has turned a lot of people off with the, with the amount of lies and opinionated uh, news that they've been putting out for the past three years. And so I think he's going to get a really high percent of the black vote. Plus, you know, we look at Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, one of the biggest um, components of mass incarceration of blacks and Latinos in inner cities. You, you have to think that you know, if these people get locked in, uh, locked in the office, then a lot of people are going to get locked back in prison, and that's what we don't want. Well, uh, we'll have to wait and see. But forty-seven percent—that's amazing. Uh, uh, I think most experts are saying maybe twelve, fifteen percent, but forty-seven—that—that that would really <laughs> shock everyone. I think. The, the biggest thing about experts is the majority of the time they're wrong. So. <laughs> well, you got that one. Okay, from Southern California, Joe Collins. Thanks so much for your time. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. You may remember Carl Mankey. We told you about him this past summer. He's the 77-year-old from Owasso, Michigan. He's a barber who defied Governor Gretchen Whitmer's executive order to close his business during the COVID-19 pandemic. Mankey kept his shop open, and although he took all the recommended coronavirus health precautions, the state pulled his barbering license. The Michigan State Supreme Court recently said the governor's executive orders are unlawful. They declared them unconstitutional. As a result, a county prosecutor has dropped all charges against Mankey. Well, Carl Mankey joins us now from his shop in Owasso, Michigan. Carl, this was great news for you, but I understand your license has yet to be restored. Tell us about that. Well, my license has been restored. Uh, it was restored back at the, the Supreme Court, Michigan Supreme Court ruled 7 to 0. Uh, against the governor's actions that she returned my license without a hearing because she didn't give me a hearing. It was more of a police state tactic, which was pretty typical of this governor. Uh, so they had to return my license, but now they're giving me the hearing. So, you know, but nonetheless, I, I predict that it'll probably go the same way as these other things have. The Supreme Court also came back against her uh, and said that everything that she has done after April 30th of this year is invalid. So it's uh, she's having to start all over again with a lot of things. and She's shifting things around, trying to somehow or other save face, but uh, uh, the Supreme Court has pretty much ruled against her. Well, I, I understand the Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court said she needed to have legislative approval on these things. Uh, you just can't go and pass laws without the legislature. That isn't what the governor does. Well, I remember the start of the summer, 10 Michigan state troopers descended on your shop just to serve you that cease and desist order. That seemed a bit excessive to most people. Why did that happen, Carl? And how did most uh, Michiganders respond to that? Well, you know, for the most part, those guys were doing the job that they were, you know, they have to do. Um, I have a good relationship with the, with the law and order, the police departments. Uh, I, I knew, I understood it, you know, that they, they had to do that. They had to bring those in. I offered them all a haircut. You know, I said that uh, they looked like they needed one and, you know, they, they came in and, but there was no resistance here. I had, uh, I had families throughout this barbershop. Good heavens, I, I remember that day because I had quadruplets in here and they were jumping around and, you know, just having fun with, with uh, uh, being kids. And they, these, all of a sudden, these stormtroopers come in, you know, with, you know, all serious. Well, you know, I kind of softened it up a little bit by, uh, I, I had no hostility against them. They were just doing their job. 
How did the local media depict you there? Uh, were they depicting you as someone standing up for your constitutional rights or as a crazed, reckless barber? Well, I think, you know, that's a, that's a good point here. You know, I, I was, I've been thinking this over. They really didn't support me, but that was okay. I would much rather err on the side of being a little crazy, pushing the edge maybe a little hard, than ever err on the side of where people would consider that I was walking the same path as cowards. I can't do that. Uh, so I would much rather take the, you know, the road that I've taken, regardless of our, our local newspaper here is pretty left. Has anyone you know, in your shop gotten COVID-19, Carl? No, no, none that I've ever heard. They, they contact trace, from my understanding was, is that uh, they contact trace 3,000 people that had gone through this shop. You know, those that, they weren't all getting haircuts. They were, a lot of them were just coming in to, you know, to support me. And uh, uh, nobody, they, nobody got COVID. So, I mean, this has been six months and I'm still standing here. I haven't gotten COVID. And I know um, you've always said uh, the reason you wanted to stay open is you had to feed your family. You had to pay your bills. So how is business now? Is it still down or bouncing back? Well, it's it's off a little bit. You know, it's off a little bit. There's still people that... Uh, See what you know. What I, what I, it sort of distresses me that we are developing a nation of neurotics, you know, with this stuff, uh, and it uh, there isn't a good balance, you know, of information that's coming from both sides of this thing. There are scientists that are saying that this at this point now, that original narrative, has been turned on its head, that we're not all dying. There were not two million of us or two and a half million of us dying of COVID. Our hospitals are not overrun, uh, but we don't hear that news. We only hear the fearful stuff, you know, and I like that little anachronism, you know, of, uh, or an acronym called FEAR, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. And that kind of fits this whole narrative right now that the, the government is putting out. It, okay, quickly, quickly, Carl, because we're running out of time. Finally, okay, what do you sure. say to governors of other states that are still shut down? Stand up. You know, open up. You know, uh, quit acting like a neurotic. You know, look at the science behind this thing. Don't just look at your political career. Look at the truth behind this stuff. I challenge those guys. They're cowards. You know, they, they, they won't stand on the side of what's true and right. They stand on the side of what's politically correct for them at the particular time for their own, uh, for their own advancement. Okay. Would, the the man here. who stood up for the Constitution in Owasso, Michigan, Carl Mankey, thank you for sharing with us today. Thank you. It's not the Russians this time trying to meddle in our election. It's Facebook and Twitter. When the fourth largest newspaper in the country, the New York Post, broke a story about Hunter Biden's overseas deals and paying pop, Joe Biden, half, the two tech giants blocked people from sharing the story on their social media platforms. While conservatives accused the former vice president's son of being a bagman in an alleged pay-for-play scheme, the big tech companies once again censored conservative speech. It appears they're in the bag for Biden. But they can't muzzle the president on the campaign trail. Joe Biden has been blatantly lying about his involvement in his son's corrupt business dealing. And this is a big smoking gun.
The former vice president has yet to answer some tough questions about all of this. But the mainstream media won't press Biden. We couldn't do that to Joe. Why not? I'm sure CNN, MSNBC, The New York Times, and Washington Post would be badgering the president and reporting it nonstop if this were Donald Trump Jr. and his dad. The Media Research Center's Newsbusters reports that when the Biden story broke, Network News gave it only 10 minutes of airtime during 92 hours of news programming. And they were tearing the story down during most of those 10 minutes. Gee, I wonder who they want to see elected president. Who do you think? Whatever happened to fair journalism? Whatever happened to reporting these big stories and allowing you to arrive at your own conclusions? Hunter may be an alleged family bag man, but the media is in the bag for Joe. So is Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Her state is a crucial battleground state. And now Whitmer is telling Christians they'd better vote for Joe if they want to return to in-person church services. If you're tired of lockdowns or you're tired of wearing masks or you wish you were in church this morning or watching college football or your kids were in person instruction, it is time for change in this country. And that's why we've got to elect Joe Biden. Really, Governor Whitmer? Weren't you the one, not President Trump, who illegally locked down your state? The Michigan Supreme Court recently nullified your executive orders as being unconstitutional. And here I thought you took an oath when you were sworn into office to uphold the Constitution. So if Michiganders don't vote for Joe, are you going to punish them like you did Owasso Barber Carl Mankey? And why should anyone follow Whitmer's advice? When her illegal stay-at-home order was in place, her husband used her name and position in his attempt to get a dock installed at their lakefront cottage. Just a joke, they said, but the joke was on the people of Michigan. Don't do as I do, do as I say. Just like House Speaker Nancy Pelosi when she visited that San Francisco hair salon without wearing a mask. Voters are getting tired of that double standard, the hypocrisy. Folks, please take time to filter out the political rhetoric and propaganda from the facts. Vote for candidates that uphold the Constitution and the laws that they pass. With an election fast approaching, do your homework. It may be harder to find censored information, but I encourage you to dig a little deeper so you can make a well-informed decision before casting your vote. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Parlor, and Twitter. And until next time, be blessed.